Welcome to the Talented Learning Show with John Lay, Episode 6. Today I interview Trista Kimber, Director of Training and Design at Hooters of America, about the challenges and best practices of franchise learning. You can find more of our content at TalentedLearning.com. So welcome to the Talented Learning Show. On this show I interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning solutions from both the vendor and practitioner perspectives. Our guest today is Trista Kimber, Director of Training and Design at Hooters of America, an international restaurant chain with over 400 locations in 28 different countries. Trista, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Great. Trista, you had a 16-plus year run at Hooters. Uh, reviewing your resume, you occupied uh, just escalating positions, everything from training coordinator, talent acquisition manager, instructional design manager now a director of training and, and the design. It'd be hard to find anybody in the world, I think, with more real-life uh, franchise learning uh, experience and uh, probably no one better qualified here to, to help us uh, understand and help our listeners understand the ins and outs of, of managing franchise locations and uh, your own locations uh, in, in developing and delivering training and compliance. So uh, once again, welcome. And I was wondering if uh, maybe we could start off by how about you tell us about yourself and your current role at, at Hooters and what you're responsible for. All right, fabulous. Well, like you said, I have well over 16 years of experience within not just the restaurant industry, but within my organization. I started off as that college student. I was trying to put myself through college, and that's where I got into operations. Um, even though I told myself I wouldn't uh, be in the restaurant industry past my 21st birthday, it ended up becoming a true passion. and. As you mentioned, I just continued to move up from the ranks. I had some really, really bad training experiences early on in my career, and everything just led me to, you know what, if I was in a training role, this is how I would do it, that nobody had the same experiences that I actually had, because they were essentially the, the epitome of, if the worst thing could happen, that's what happened in my training procedures. So it kind of groomed me that, you know what, I want to take on a role in training, and I want to ensure that happens to no one else, ever. Um, and that just happened all the way through my entire career, and I just kind of kept putting myself in that position of what could go wrong, how would it go wrong, and how would I prevent it? So that anytime I was making anything to do with training or anything that had to do with hiring a new individual, I always put myself in in their position of, well, how would this make them feel? How would they utilize it? How could it impact their training and their perspective of the company, their role, and what they would be doing for us? Um, and now as the director of training, I actually do have a really large say in how that's going in our company because I get to come up with all the design plans and the systems that we're using and how we're going to be creating manuals and what programs we're going to be doing and really designing those and I use my operations background and the experiences I had to actually gear those towards each of the individual roles within our organization. Wow, wow, cool. That's pretty neat. And how many, uh, if you just, just curious, when you, when you think about the different roles, is it, is it like, uh, like five or is it like 25? Just curious how many roles you, you juggle when you think about the, the roles in the organization. Um, well, I think about all of our hourly service um, focus roles, so everything from the Hooters girl to um, a cook 
to a hostess, to our Toyota position. And then when I get into more of our salary management roles, we have four different um, levels of management that the individuals could have. And I had worked in each of those, so I get to start thinking about it. And then from a leadership perspective, when we get into our multi-unit um, management, even thinking about how they're going to impact the organization and how their training can be achieved when you're hiring that individual and you know that they still need to learn your, your company, your concept, but they're trying to open a restaurant, they're trying to run a region, they're trying to run a division. How do they juggle all of that? So those are the things that I try to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That's that's more than I would have, have thought from uh, from a role perspective. So when you look, uh, you, you said some things there that, that that's uh, interesting or made me think about a, a mix of of types of content, what are, you know, if you had to prioritize, what are the top uh, types of content, uh, not mediums in this question, but, you know, topical areas, is it like compliance? Is, is it this, the development of, of the leaders and the, the, the franchise owners? Is it, you know, running promotions or about the brand experience? Just curious, you know, what would, it, what would be the top things that you produce and, and try to get out there? Everything you mentioned does actually fall into it something, but the top pieces are definitely the brand. That's one of our biggest aspects. I mean, we've our company has been around since the 80s, so we're over 30 years old as a brand, and that's truly how we focus on it, um, and that's something we want them to hold near and dear to their hearts is our brand. So we always put that in actually every piece of training wow. that we go through is whatever we're focusing on, how does that affect the brand? So that's kind of embedded into everything. Um, definitely because we're a restaurant, so our service platform of how we go around offering our world famous tutors hospitality, what we're known for, um, making sure that they truly do understand that aspect. And then depending on what level um, they are within the organization, some of it is compliance. Uh, um, that does tie into our we're worldwide. So our franchisees actually have localization and compliances that they have to deal with that we may not have to deal with here in the United States. So um, when it comes to that, we we do allow them a little bit more freedom of complying with their local regulations because I don't want to say that, oh, here in the United States, we have to worry about tips in this aspect. Whereas when we go internationally, they may not be a tip role. So when it comes to that, we may share a best practice, but we don't necessarily require that they follow um, exactly what HOA is doing to the T because it may not translate into um, their culture. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, well, so I saw that you have a location in Frankfurt, Germany, and uh, you know, other locations uh, in Europe. What about their regulations that are different than ours. So you said about leeway on you know, some things that, that you have that they don't need, but what, what about the things that go beyond like that uh, general data protection regulation that's uh, being implemented here in, in Germany uh, this spring? Does, does that cause you any pause or concern? Do you, do you think about stuff like that or help manage that or you just put that on the lo local locations? Well, actually, I just got back earlier this year from opening the Hamburg, Germany um, huh? store. So I traveled to Germany, spent three weeks work, ugh, 
three weeks in Germany working with that management team, training their front half team members. Um, it was a great experience. Um, but one of the big things that's a little bit different from here in the States is their employees are contracted. So the expectations of hours that they're going to work or the fact that they're being contracted for a specific role is just a very different of how we do it here in the States. Um, they know that they're guaranteed a position in that business for however long their contract is for. And it was just something that as you're talking to new hires and as you're going through the expectations, even though they may not necessarily uphold those expectations, it does make it very difficult to um, document, to coach and develop those employees or even in the eventuality that you have to terminate those employees for not upholding those expectations expectations. It makes it very difficult for some of them. Um, and we always, as the franchisor, we do side on the side of the, um, the franchise group, letting them say, you know what, yes, this is HOA's policy, this is HOA's practice. However, we want you to have your legal team review any of our policies, any of our procedures. We want want you to go through and make sure that it's actually applicable with your, your local laws, your local regulations. Um, and that's why we try not to overly hold them to our standards. I mean, and that sounds really weird, but we don't want anything that is common practice here in the United States or being that we're based out of Atlanta, Georgia, just a regulation here in, in Georgia to affect any of our franchisees anywhere. So we do give it up to them and their legal attorneys and things of that nature to be able to say, you know what, this does not apply in our country. We need to change this aspect of the brand or we need to make sure that as we're filling this role that we need to make it a little bit different in this aspect. So everything we do, we always come from the standpoint of, hey, this is the best practice for our organization. However, we come up with you and your legal team to make sure it does apply well to your franchise group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a, probably a unique, very franchisee-friendly uh, way of approaching it, uh, for sure. Does that extend that extending that thought, the concept of uh, the joint employer regulations, that you know you you have to have some kind of I don't know uh, barrier, I guess, uh, or, or some kind of wrapper around anything that's presided to your franchise ease uh, and their employees as I, I think exactly that being as best practices and not as, as mandatory is that something that you worry about do you do you know about that joint employer or is that a, a concern yes the joint employer regulations are definitely a concern for us we've put um, a lot of things in place this year that necessarily hadn't been overly focused on in the past, but as joint employers is becoming more and more common out there, and you're seeing it a lot more, that is something that we're really looking at and really looking at just the individual verbiage we're using as we're talking about our training programs. Like, we make a lot of things available for them. At no point do we ever say that they have to use any of our training materials. That's why we focus on our brands and our brand standards 
And as long as they're upholding those brand standards and that brand standard is not something that goes against any of their regulations or any local local things that may come up within their culture or something of that nature. Um, <clears throat> as long as it doesn't go against that and they're upholding our brain standards, their training programs and the development of those programs are really to them. We just make everything that we do at HOA available for their use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it, it, interesting. It, it, when you say brand standards, you know, I read on your website, you know, about, you know, getting a franchise location. So there's a lot of good information about, you know, the traffic that has to be there and the population, medium income, a lot of things I hadn't considered, you know, to, to just get into one. But how do you know that they're adhering to your brand standards? Is there, is, is there ongoing measurement and inspections or is it, yeah, how, how do you know? We, we do have ongoing measurements and, um, standards that we look at, audits, things of that nature, and I hate to say the word audit because people look at audit very negatively. Mm -hmm. um, we actually have some franchise business directors and their focus is actually working with our franchise groups. So we have two here in the United States and they literally split the country in half. <laughs> um, and then we have um, one that oversees South America, we have one that oversees our Europe and African continent. And then we have um, the Asian Pacific area. So they have any of the Asian countries as well as Australia. I so see. those individuals will go out. They'll travel to every single one of our franchise locations and visit with them. They're going to go through and do a brand standards audit. And that's literally looking at uniform standards food safety measures, um, excuse me, looking at the color of paint that is used on the restaurant, making sure that it falls in our color suite, what the furniture looks like. So it's very much going into is it branded appropriately for Hooters, but then also are they giving that hospitality that we're known for, is the image of the Hooters girl there, um, is it what we're looking for? So. We have that aspect, and then those um, franchise directors of business um, also work with those individuals. So if they need help with their P&L, or if they're working on building cells in a restaurant, those individuals work with them independently to make sure that they're hitting those key goals and those key areas as well. So they kind of develop an individual action plan for mm -hmm. our franchise groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, wow. what are the uh, you, you mentioned uh, that you know, you're in Hamburg for three weeks? Uh, that's pretty cool, uh, by the way, uh, to to get the opportunity to do that, especially on uh, a company funded trip. Uh, what and you also mentioned something about uh, creating booklets. I think I heard in, a, in another answer that he has. So there's at least two mediums. Uh, you know, what are the the top content mediums that you use to to drive training at? Do you send trainers around or virtual classrooms? combo of everything? What's, uh, how do you approach it? We do, a, we do a combo of everything. So for any store opening, we definitely have trainers on the ground. So we send um, just your hourly restaurant employee, and that's what their role is, to be the best trainer out there. Um, we'll send them to our new store opening. 
Um, they'll teach classroom style, you know, instructor-led workshops. We do have an LMS, so they do, do are doing the online learning. Um, we do a blended approach where they do some OJT. We have webinars that we have, both recorded and live sessions. Um, so we do have those virtual classrooms that people can attend. Um, we have workbooks. We have printed materials. We have videos that people can watch. Um, we really try to look at all the different um, ways that an individual can learn and try to have something available out there so that we're hitting all of those different different learning styles and have it where, you know, we truly are blending it. <laughs> so you get the classroom, you get the in-person trainer working with you, um, you get printed material that you can see and feel and read on your own. If you're a flashcard person, we have where you can study with flashcards. If you're somebody that wants to really get into it and see it, we have videos available for you. So. It's a huge medium of pretty much everything that we have available. Wow, outstanding, outstanding. And is the LMS the, is that the, the, the central repository of all this content or do you have it in a, a few different places based on medium? How how'd you approach that? We do have it in a few different places. Um, for Hooters of America, the LMS is our, our central hub for learning. Um, we call it our eCamp for our franchisees because we don't require that any of them purchase the LMS because we realize that internationally you may not have access to the internet. It's not as common as it is here in the United States. Um, so we make sure that our company intranet actually has the materials available for them as well that our franchisees can access. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did I hear you right that you charge the franchisees for the, the training or the LMS or no? For the LMS, um, they just have to um, sign the agreement with the, um, the company that we use. So it's really, they just have to um, pay for their license with the company, but we don't charge them for content. And if they had their own LMS and they wanted um, any of our courses or anything like that, we would actually, as long as it's SCORM compliant and allow it to uh, upload on there, any of the courses that we've made for our company, we would allow them to have access to. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And how often does that happen? Uh, do franchise e-locations have their own LMSs sometimes? Um, we have a few that have their own LMS, but for the most part, they really like the company that we've partnered with. And then you're like, hey, you know what? You're doing all of the hard work. You're building the LMS. We're just going to jump on board and use what you've already created, all the systems, all the background work that it takes into it. We just like to jump on board and say, hey, can we, can we do that too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for each one of those locations, do you have different roles in the LMS? Like, are you, do you have like a concept, like an organizational or a franchisee you know, manager role that gets you know, specific reports about their group? Or do you kind of manage everybody homogeneously? No, we have individual roles that we can build in our LMS, and if there's something that one franchise group wants that another doesn't, we can actually work with them, and um, our LMS does have the capability where we can build an individual role just for one person that nobody else in the system actually has. So the LMS we selected, it, it's pretty high-tech in that aspect that 
it allows us to kind of customize it for each franchisee. We can even have it where they have an individual look and a feel. So it doesn't feel like you're coming to Hooters of America. It may feel like you're going to Hooters of Hamburg. Um, we can have individual pictures of that location and things of that nature, which makes it really, really nice when you're an employee and you're training and you're seeing things that you're familiar with, like, hey, that's my restaurant. Oh my gosh, that's so-and-so, my trainer in that photo. Um, it makes it a little bit more impactful for you when you're like, oh my gosh, this could be me, or I see that person. This is the direct reflection of my individual job. So having an LMS that can do that for us was, um, was really key in that aspect. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. Your, your LMS is what? We um, partner with eLogic Learning. Your authoring tools are, what do you prefer? Uh, we prefer to use Storyline. Storyline. And your uh, virtual classroom of choice? Virtual classroom, um, we're just beginning to get into that aspect. So I wouldn't say that we necessarily have a virtual classroom of choice at this point. Um, with our webinar aspect, we use GoToMeeting most frequently, GoToWebinar. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of our, our big things. Um, for any of our video editing, things of that nature, we go with the Adobe Suite. Ah. Okay. Great. Any other, uh, any other tools in your stack you're using every day for learning? Um, just to make it easier on our franchisees when we're building manuals and things like that, we actually steer away from InDesign. Um, we actually use PowerPoint, and I know that's kind of odd, but when you think of how many people worldwide have access to PowerPoint mm -hmm. versus how many people have access to InDesign, things of that nature, it's just easier for us to put it into an editable native file in PowerPoint and design a manual using PowerPoint. Um, so that our franchisees, if they need to edit it, if they need to translate it, if they need to take out sections or add sections, it just makes it very, very easy sure. to do it that way. They don't have to come back to you. Right. PowerPoint's pretty easy. A lot of people, just beginning level computer skills, can figure out how to make edits, how to make changes, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you have off-the-shelf content? Uh, that you provide uh, your, your employees or, or franchisees, or is, every, is it the majority proprietary or some sort of combination? The majority, majority is proprietary, but we do have some off-the-shelf materials that we have available in our LMS. Um, for those individuals that are in our LMS, they can get access to it. Um, because it is often shelf and we as an organization are paying for it. Um, unfortunately, I can't share it to those that are not in the LMS. Mm -hmm. um, that was just one of the agreements that we had with the, the vendor that was providing that material. Um, but we do have some workshops and things of that nature. So if we have a guest speaker, we're going to have Jim Sullivan actually speaking at one of our, um, one of our conferences. And, and we're opening it up to any of the franchisees who want to attend, which is on the topic of multi-unit management. And 
we're paying for it. We're saying, hey, if you want to attend, it is open. You can be there. It's not a requirement by any means for you to be there. Okay, this is something that we have going on. Wow, that's great. That's great. How do you, uh, we're this half hour here went so quickly, so we're at the end already uh, as I'm drilling you here with question after question. How do you measure uh, success? from your standpoint, you know, certainly in the, looks like the brand audits, or not audits, for lack of a better word, but the brand audits, you know, was, was one way that you're measuring it. How do you know you're being successful with your training materials? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to ask. Um, really to know that you're successful, excuse me, now. really to know that you're being successful in, in your training is actually the training turning around and doing all of those expectations of what you taught them. Right. So for us, a big measure of success is actually what our guests are saying back to us, whether it's something on, that they're posting on social media, if it's them coming back to see us, if it's them calling our guest hotline and talking to us about those restaurants. Those are a really big piece of how we measure success. Um, we do have the compliance piece where it's, okay, we look at completion of training. And yes, we look at scorecard results of how the restaurant is doing and things of that nature. But one of the biggest ways to see if your training is having an impact is really looking at is the employee turning around and using what you trained them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you notice, uh, that makes complete sense, do you notice any difference between the performance of your um, uh, your corporate-owned stores versus franchise franchisee locations, uh, in terms of you know, since you can make the one take training or more of it anyway, uh, versus the other, like we were talking about, the, is there any impact on how they perform and the things that you're measuring by chance? Uh I wouldn't necessarily say that there is or there isn't. There are franchise groups out there that have a passion for training. So even though they're not necessarily using our exact training program, has come up with more rigorous programs than what we offer. <laughs> so we say we may have a week long of training, and they may have four weeks that they put their employees through. Um, so I can't say just because they're not using our program that their training isn't top notch. Mm -hmm. um, so that that makes it very difficult to say if I'm seeing the performance of one over the other because they we put so much emphasis on the brand and maintaining the brand that a lot of our franchise locations are definitely um, making it a priority to ensure that their employees are getting trained appropriately. Sure, sure, fair enough, fair enough. All right, last question. Uh, do you have any uh, any uh, parting advice or wisdom you can bestow here on organizations that are trying to uh, improve and or get started? I think with uh, more holistic approaches to franchise learning, uh, like like you've built uh, at at Hooters. Uh, any advice you care to share? Absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things that it, an organization can do is actually listen to their franchisees find out what it is that they're wanting. If something's not working or if they're not using a training program, find out why. It may be because it's not applicable in their area, or it just may be that it's not feasible on say, their budget scope or something of that nature. So talk to them, find out, 
franchisees are a lot more willing to jump on board with anything that you're trying to roll out to them. Whether it be a training program, a menu item, um, some change to your brand, they're a lot more likely to be on board with it if they feel that they've had a say in what you're working on because they, they have that individual ownership that way. So that's the biggest piece of advice I can ever ever relay to anyone is definitely talk to your franchisees. Um, have round tables with them. Um, come up with ideas. Just They may have systems going on in their franchise groups that you want to turn over and roll out um, more on your corporate side. So definitely work with them and find out um, what's going on in their world. That's great. Well, there you have it, folks. Trista Kimber, Director of Training and Design at Hooters sharing some real-world uh, practical advice uh, and uh, experience with us here uh, uh, today. That's, that's wonderful. You can uh, thank you uh, very much, Trista, uh, for, for joining us. And we've got a webinar coming up uh, here in a, in a week or so where we'll, we'll dig deeper into the topic. And you can find uh, more of our information at talentedlearning.com. And, of course, uh, uh, Trista and, and her whole team welcome you to come and uh, see that and experience that brand uh, for yourself uh, and all the hard work that she's doing manifests itself in each one of those 400 uh, some locations. So thanks everyone. Thanks Trista and have a great day. Thank you.